it's good to be here this morning. Hey, before we go any further, you know, uh, probably most of us are aware of what's going on over on the other side of the world in Israel. And, you know, needless to say that it's just a, it's a tragic, tragic set of circumstances. And I know they're reporting, you know, 400 people died. When I left, one of the news stations had said it was up to 600. I don't know if that's true or not. It, it, pro- it probably is um, because it doesn't seem like that that was an isolated instance of just yesterday. It seems like this is going to carry on for some time. So uh, before we get into the message today, I would just like uh, for us to stand with Israel and pray uh, for Israel because it's, it, it's biblical that we pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Not just in times of crisis, but, but every single day of our lives. And the Bible instructs us to do that. Before we pray, I just wanted to share what Psalms 122 says. And Psalms 122 says, I was glad when they said to me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built as a city that is compact together, where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to the testimony of Israel, to give thanks to the name of the Lord, for thrones are set there for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. And verse 6 is what you're probably most familiar for. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May they prosper who love you. Peace be within your walls, prosperity within your palaces. For the sake of my brethren and companions, I will now say peace be within you. Because of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. Let us pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are still sitting on your throne even in times of chaos and adversity and times when us, us humans just don't necessarily understand what's going on. And Lord, I just pray that as your word instructs us to do, as your word commands us to do, Lord, that we pray for the people of Israel right at this moment. And Lord, we pray, Lord, that you will work all those things out just as your word instructs. Lord, that your spirit of peace be upon those people over there today and in every moment. And Lord, I just pray for, for a new understanding of just Christians around the world that you have commanded us to stand together with the people of Israel, with the country of Israel. Lord, not just in times of adversity or times of war like this, this is today, but, but in all times and all days, Lord, that you would always put it on our heart to pray for your chosen people. And Lord, we thank you that no matter what's going on, that you are always in the middle of it. And Lord, we raise your name and we thank you for what you're doing and what you're going to do. Lord, and that you are going to show yourself real, not only to the people of that conflict, the people of Israel, but to people all around the world. In your name we pray, amen. 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 Well, thank you for doing that uh, with me uh, this morning. We are going to continue our series titled, Walk the Walk. Walk the Walk out of the book of James. 
Um, I'm not even exactly sure what part this is, but, the, but we're going to talk about patience this morning. And we're going to talk about spiritual patience. And I heard a few chuckles, and I was in Jerseyville last week, and when I opened and said I was going to talk about patience, about half of the crowd there laughed out loud. <laughs> so it's a little intimidating when you tell the congregation your subject, and they're laughing at you before they even know what you're going to talk about other than the subject. And I think we, we kind of chuckle at that, or maybe we kind of roll our eyes, so to speak, or even like roll our spiritual eyes eyes because we understand that patience is hard. And spiritual patience is even harder. But I believe that we can learn a lot about spiritual patience through the book of James. And James, the entire book is basically like this, our sermon series is titled, it's Walking the Walk. And when you think about it, this is a great sermon series title because in a small microcosm, in a little phrase, that is really what the entire Christian life is all about. Can I walk the walk? It's real easy for me to talk the talk, right? I can get up here and I can spout out Bible verses and read scripture to you, and that's easy. Talk, talk is cheap, right? But walking the walk is hard. And I can tell you about the scripture, or I can even tell myself about the scripture. I can read scripture all day long, but until I walk out what the scripture tells me to do in my own life, it, it's fruitless for me because I'm not using that to activate my life and what God has called me to do. And the way we live our lives is important because we are constantly impacting people around us, influencing people around us. And contrary to what we might think, that impact and influence isn't necessarily done by our words. It's more done by our actions. You think sometimes people are listening to you, and they are, don't get me wrong, but let me tell you, they are watching what you do way more closely than listening to what you are saying. So what do we know about James? It's interesting that in James, that apparently he was not a believer, even though he was Jesus' brother, he was not a believer at first. And we see this in, in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, in verse 3, it says, His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers, which included James, for even his brothers did not believe in him. So what happened in James's life that at first he didn't even believe in his brother? Yet if you fast forward into Galatians chapter 2... Paul goes on to call James a pillar in the church. And there's a big dichotomy between not even believing in Jesus and then becoming a pillar in the church. And we're going to talk about how that transformation happened a little bit today. And really, it's, all, it, 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 it's based on the power of the resurrection. The Bible says that then James, he understood when he saw 
Jesus be transformed and come out of the grave. But we can learn a lot from James and how to live and maybe even, you know, navigate ourselves through this chaotic, crazy, stressful, sometimes fearful life that we have. And James was, James was not very concerned about, he wasn't teaching about what people to say. He was teaching people, you have to walk the walk. He was a man of action versus a man of words. James was the type of guy that he wanted to see your faith walked out in a practical way. Your Christianity walked out in a practical way. Because talking the talk, he understood, and this was his message to, to the readers that includes us, talking the talk was only going to get you so far. Walking the walk was going to get you to step into all that God has called you to step into. And he analyzed, or I should say it this way, he would, he would say that the genuineness of your faith, that you're proving that in the validity of your experience with Jesus Christ. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is your relationship with Jesus Christ so powerful that you're walking out that relationship in a daily basis? James would call that, that's a real faith. That's a real Christian that's walking out our faith with power. And this is the way James called us to live. James, again, was a down-to-earth, common-sense guy. He wasn't, he wasn't one of these guys that was, well, let's call it, wrapped up in the necessarily spiritual, new philosophies of the day, maybe. Or if he lived in 2023, he wasn't one of these, you know, I hate to say it this way, so give me some latitude here. Some, some uh, super spiritual Christian that is so worried about the conspiracy theories of the day that they forget to actually walk out the biblical promises and truths that are in the Bible. Everybody heard this week that there was, um, I think it was like an alert system and your phone went off, right? Now... Again, I, I, don't, I don't follow these things like maybe I should, maybe I should pay attention to it, but I was around a group of people that day, and one of the ladies, it wasn't anybody here, don't worry, one of the ladies came up here and said, you know, today's going to be a crazy day. I was like, oh, why? Well, you know, like at, uh, you know, at what, I don't even know what time it was, 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock, 1.10, see, my wife knows, she's after these conspiracy theories. <laughs> I'm kidding, I'm totally kidding, I'm totally kidding. She's not, she's not, she's not, I'm totally kidding. I'll use a different example. No, I'm kidding. She's not. But anyway, this person, you know, at 110, your phone, oh, okay, I guess I'll be ready for that. Well, so like if your computer and like, you know, the office that we're in right now, like the lights start flickering and like we just might have to close the, close the place down. Okay. Like, I know it's a silly example, but like, and maybe that's a conspiracy theory, maybe it's not. But so many times, and I think James would agree with me, we as Christians are focused on these outside things and things of the outside world or even what people are talking about in the outside world or we're being directed by what's going on in the news or what's going on in society and we forget to understand that the power of our life, the power of the, our Christian walk is in this book and in this book alone and the direction of this book. And this is what James is talking about. James's primary focus of, the, of, of, this, of this book is to tell the readers to denounce all this worldly stuff, 
to denounce sin in your life and get back into the relationship with Christ that he so wants us with, wants us to have. And in my opinion, there's two, two central themes, I would say, in the book of James. One, I would call it, his fundamental emphasis is a spiritual, personal growth to be able to walk the walk. And when I say a spiritual, personal growth, because I don't care if you're six years old in this place or 106, our relationship with Christ should always be growing and always be stronger. We are never going to be to the point as Christians where we say, I've made it. My relationship with Jesus Christ is at an all-time high, and it'll never get any better. It will always get better better. So I think as we read the book of James during this, during this, um, these sermon series, always remember that we're always growing in Christ. And number two, I think he taught what one of his themes is sensitivity in social relationships. And man, isn't that important today? And I say that because so many times we as Bible-believing Christians, we as spirit-filled Christians, sometimes we fall into this trap is we're talking at people way too often. We're real good. Hey, and I'm in this category too, right? Right, I'm better at talking the talk than walking the walk. We all are. But sometimes as Christians, because we, we are so on, on fire for Christ and we so want unbelievers to come, come to Christ, sometimes we fall into this trap that we're talking at people too much. We're talking to people too much instead of just walking out our Christianity in a world, in a real world, practical way where people will take notice of us and say, man, that man, that woman, there's something different about them. There's something different about the way they live their life. There's something different about the way they walk out their Christianity. I've watched them go through trials, and they stay the same. I watched them struggle or battle, and their countenance never changes. I see them go through hard things, and their hope always gets stronger. Or conversely, I see how they've dealt with me, and they've listened to my problems, and they've heard my cry for help, and they're just there for me, never judging, never being opinionated, never having a worldly answer, but they're just always there for me, being patient with me, showing the patience and the love of Jesus Christ in a way that's always there for me. This is what the book of James teaches us. And if you have your Bibles with you this morning, we can turn to the book of James in chapter 1. And this is hard. Hey, patience, patience is hard. Spiritual patience is hard. But in order to live a life that God has called us to live, it is going to require a life of patience. Aren't you excited about that today? 
James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness, and receive with meekness the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving yourself. The Bible right here is saying if we are a doer, if we are only a hearer of the word and not a doer of the word, we are deceiving ourselves. Verse 23, for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man observing his natural face in a mirror. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. But he who looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it, and is, and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this one will be blessed in what he does. This is the proper perspective that James is calling us to live. This is the proper perspective of what a life of patience means. And as Christians, we have to understand, are we casual Christians or are we committed Christians? It takes a life of spiritual patience to be a committed Christian. Because one reason, one, because as awesome as this book is, as awesome as this book is, guess what? Guess what the truth is about life? It's hard. Life is hard. But we have to understand, am I committed to my Christianity? Or is it a casual Christianity? A casual Christianity is, hey, I just come to church on Sunday sometimes when I feel like it. And I get out my Bible sometimes, and I kind of read what's in bold. Maybe I read a footnote every once in a while. And it sounds good, so I use it. That's a casual Christian. It's like being in an amusement park or whatever. You enjoy it for a moment, and then you're done. Or you're a tourist in a foreign land. A couple weeks ago, my wife and I spent the week in Los Angeles visiting my brother. He just had a new baby. In Los Angeles, Hollywood is not like Waterloo or Columbia. <laughs> now, I use this example because I can go out to L.A. for five or six days, and I can be a Southern California guy for five or six days, but I'm not committed to that. I could be a tourist for a while and enjoy everything that is there, but I don't live there. And many times, sometimes our Christ, we, teach, we use our Christianity like that. I'll come to church for a little bit. I'm not going to be committed. I'm not signing up for anything. I'll listen to a few worship songs. Because I like the beat or the melody. Or I like to watch the guy on the drums or the guy on the guitar. But the words that are in the actual song, I'm not necessarily going to believe in them. We have to be committed Christians. And one of the greatest examples I can give you of what Christianity is like in the terms of patience or being long term is if you are a parent. If you are a parent in here, you, you know 
that parenting is a long-term game. And most times during that long-term event of years that go by, there's many times when you're parenting that you don't really know if your parenting is working. Does that make sense? That's sometimes what Christianity is like. Man, I'm coming to church. I'm reading my Bible. I joined a life group. Don't talk to me about patience. Because I'm doing all the right things. But nothing's happening. And that trajectory of nothing's happening, I, I know for a fact that I'm talking to every single one of us right now. Because we all go through periods like that. But here's what patience actually understands. Here's what spiritual patience actually understands. Spiritual patience actually understands that when you're doing those things, you may not see things happening in the real world or in your life, but God is always working behind the scenes for your good. God is always working behind the scenes for your good. That's who he is. That's what the Bible declares. That's the God that he is. He not only stands beside you, he's behind you, he's before you, he's everywhere. So again, the title of my message is Patience. Three points today. You didn't think I was ever going to get to my points, did you? Huh? I'm just testing you. We're just going to have three points. Point number one, <clears throat> the patient's perspective. The patient's perspective. Being a Christian, giving your life over to Christ is the greatest thing you can ever do. The greatest thing you can ever do. Here's the bad news. That does not prohibit you from life being hard. That does not prohibit you from having circumstances that you don't want to deal with. Life is still hard. But what it does afford you is that as Christians, we can understand why these things are happening to us. Or better yet, we can understand that God has a higher calling for those things that are happening. There's a reason behind what's going on. James chapter 1, verse 2. And this one's, it's easy to read, it's hard to believe, and even harder to do, I'd say. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Now let's read it again, so make sure we heard that. My brethren, count it all joy... When you fall into various trials. That makes no sense whatsoever, right? Who, who actually wants to believe that? Nobody, right? 
Verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Let's break this down a little bit. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. What, what that means is we have to be able to understand our current situation intelligently, knowing what I said earlier, knowing that God is working in that situation. What does perfect and complete mean? Perfect and complete basically means that with our patience and with our relationship with Jesus Christ, we have to be fully dependent on God and fully trusted that God has our best in mind and that God is in the middle of our situation. That's basically the definition of an active, working faith. We have got to believe that God is who he says he is, and he's going to do what he says he's going to do. And one of the major reasons we go through trials is without trials, you would never need to depend on God. If your life was perfect, what would you need God for? What James is telling us here is we have to have a Christian perspective on why we're going through these things. God's, in some ways, God has designed it to be like this so that we can be fully dependent on who He is and what He can do for our life. We have to be spiritually patient. And you never know when you're going to need that. I'll give you an example for myself a few weeks ago when we had the Holy Spirit services here. That was two weeks, whatever that was, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. And it was great services. From what I was basically told, we had some HVAC issues. It was a little hot in here, so the first two nights, I wasn't even in here hardly. So Sunday, it was hot in here. We had some, like, we had air issues. Monday, Pastor Guy was dealing with it. It was fixed. And then right before service, it stopped working again. Long story short, I know you were hot. You don't need to text me and tell me you're hot. I know you were hot. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding. So then Tuesday, no, it was Monday. So Monday, it goes out again like about 535, 530. So we we make a service call. I get here. I meet the guy upstairs. So obviously at this point, it's just a random Heat and air conditioning guy. But you have to understand, like, these units up top, it's not like your unit at home. It's like a, it's a, I mean, it's like a, it's a monster. It's a beast, these things. But anyway, this guy, this guy walks in. He's here to fix it. And let's just say, like, I probably wasn't in the most patient mood <laughs> at the time. Right? So... <laughs> So I go up there, and, you know, the guy's, you know, he's trying, nice guy, trying to do some small talk, and I'm like, yeah, I don't even know what I said. I'm like, yeah, and it's 5.30, and service starts at 6.30, and people are down there right now, so can you, like, hurry up? I said it in a real spiritual way. Don't worry. Don't worry. (laughs) So anyway, long story short, he's up there for a couple hours. It's 6 o'clock, 6.30, 6.45, 7 o'clock. And I'm up there the whole time, right? I don't know what I'm doing, but every job needs a supervisor, right? And if I stare at this guy long enough, he's probably going to work faster is my thinking. I'm running out of patience, but I don't know. I will tell you that you can hear worship 
totally fine standing on the roof. And it was a beautiful night up there. If I had a lawn chair, I could have just stood up there for a while. But anyway, so fast forward, I'm running out of patience. And mind you, this is two and a half weeks ago, so I know I'm preaching this week, so I'm already working on a message on patience. And I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me, not now. And uh, <laughs> so the guy's up there, so it's 6.30, 7.30, 8 o'clock or whatever, and, you know, he doesn't ask me about anything about the church. He doesn't ask me about Jesus or what you people are doing down here, right? And I'm not going to say a word because I don't have time to talk to the guy. I need the guy to work, right? So we finally, it clicks on. So now it's, I don't know what time it was, 8.15, 8.30, I don't know. It's, it's late, right? And the whole time I'm thinking, man, I just fix this so I can get downstairs. Hey, I want to participate just like everybody else, right? I don't want to be stuck up on the roof with some stranger, so he gets it fixed, it's on, you know, he starts packing up his stuff, and I'm like, all right, like, let's hurry up, you know. Uh, and it's then, so then he says, hey, so what kind of church is this, by the way? And I'm literally thinking to myself, I, <laughs> I was like, I was like, I'm thinking to myself, I didn't say this, I'm thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> I've been up here for two and a half hours. You haven't said a word about this. You've had plenty of time. Matter of fact, the language you've been using pro probably isn't like worthy of even the church roof. But <laughs> So I say it's a non-denominational church. With no further explanation other than, hey, I, I answered his question. So I can't even remember what the next, his next line of questioning was. You know, it had something to do, I don't know what he said, and something about his grandpa raised him, you know, and something about he turned away from his religion when his wife almost died or whatever. So he made a couple comments like that, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, I am like in it now. My attitude was a little better, but... So long story short, I'm now up there on the roof now talking to this guy for probably another 30 minutes. And I'm thinking to myself, man, I should have seen this coming, right? I'm running out of patience. I just want the air fixed so you people aren't sweating down here and you'll stop texting me telling me it's hot. I know it's hot. And I'm thinking to myself, man, wouldn't it just be like God to orchestrate this whole thing for this random guy? He's actually not even the guy that usually comes out. He was the 24-hour emergency guy. So I probably actually had to pay probably three times to minister to that guy than I would the regular guy. So again, I, I talked to this guy for probably 25 or 30 minutes.
And that's, that's what spiritual patience is. Now, I was stressed out all day long about the HVAC, all two and a half hours up there, all the time while God was orchestrating something in that young man's life. And we finally came down and we walked out and he had said, because there was a couple other guys coming up with the security was checking on me up and down and up and down. So there was a couple other guys up the roof talking to him as well. And he said, man, as he was leaving, he said, man, I've never had people be nicer to me ever than what I experienced tonight. And the whole time on our conversation, he was referencing his grandpa. And I said, and I, I said, okay. I said, but do me a favor then. Tomorrow, tonight when you get home or tomorrow, call your grandpa and continue the conversation that we've been having. Because I'd be willing to bet that your grandpa has been waiting for you to rekindle the conversation. That's spiritual patience. An example of God working behind the scenes in a situation. And you don't even know about it. And I admittedly, I'm not even sure I did a great job at it. That, that actually wasn't a point to laugh. That wasn't a joke. But we have to count it all joy when trials come our way. There has to be another reason. There has to be a reason for this adversity. What's God trying to show us? Now, don't get me wrong. Don't, don't blow this out of proportion and say, be going around, hey, man, my car broke down. This is awesome. I can't imagine what God's going to show me. Or I missed my house payment. This is unbelievable. Or I just lost my job. Can you believe it? I don't do that. But be aware. Have the proper understanding of what God is doing. Amen? Amen. Number two, the patience epidemic. We have a patient epidemic because we as humans do not like to be patient. It's an epidemic for many of us. We want it now. And Pastor Guy alluded to this earlier. The devil, the only thing the devil can do to you is deceive you. That is the only power the devil has over our lives is to deceive us. And this question of patience, spiritual patience, is one of his greatest deceiving tactics because what he does many times is he deceives us into thinking and believing that whatever we're praying for, whatever we're needing, whatever we're asking God for, is that we need it now. We need it right now. And God deceives us, or the devil deceives us all the time, that when God, in our infinite, finite minds, doesn't give us now, we think God doesn't love us, or God doesn't want that for us, or God is not hearing my prayers. That's what the devil is deceiving us to thinking. He wants us to think that because it doesn't happen right now, 
God is nowhere to be found. And this is why many times we get dissatisfied with our lives. Because we have this patient epidemic. We need everything now. I came to church. Nothing happened. I actually sang out loud. Nothing happened. I raised my hands. Nothing happened. No, no. In all those situations, there are spiritual things that are happening. But we just have to understand that these spiritual things, we have to have patience. Many times God is working, and we may not see it in a tangible way because we aren't ready for it yet. God is always working. In chapter 4 of James, it outlines why we, why we argue, why we have selfish desires, why we're in it for ourselves, why we focus on material things, why, why we make plans without God. And chapter 5 is James in answering that. Verse 7, therefore, be patient, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently for it until it receives the early and latter rain. You also be patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord. It is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brethren, lest you be condemned. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. My brethren, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord as an example of suffering and patience. We cannot get ahead of God. Many times when we're in this this state of being impatient, what do we do? We try to take control. We try to make the decisions that God should be making. Instead of surrendering our life more fully to him, we try to take the reins back and take more control. In a spiritual sense, I hate to tell you this, control is an illusion. Control is an illusion. When we step out and get ahead of God, when we move quicker than God wants us to move, when we step, when we step outside of the guidelines that this book gives us, we are doing more harm than good. It takes a spiritual patience in a spiritual relationship with the King of Kings, the Lord of the Creator, to walk out this Christian life the way we're called to. We have to let God be God. Number three, the patience Illusion. The patience illusion. Here's a great question, and I ask this question to, to myself all the time. Here's the question Are you really waiting on God, or is God waiting on you? There's a big difference, and we have to understand what the Bible actually says about spiritual 
patience. We have to have an understanding of who God is and how he works. Having spiritual patience doesn't mean we just wait around and twiddle our thumbs. And we think, ah, when, when the church gets bigger, I'll come. When I have a bunch of friends there or they have an exciting event, I'll come. Or I'm looking for a sign, right? When somebody comes up and drags me to church, I'll go. When somebody personally invites me to a Bible study, I'll go. I'll start acting out, I'll start walking out this word when it's easy, when it's convenient. When I have time, because I'm waiting on God, right? I'm, I'm waiting on God to show up. I'm waiting on God to act. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 28, here's what I think is a great description of what waiting on God actually looks like. And feels like and sounds like. Verse 28, Isaiah 40. Have you not known, have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary and the young men shall utterly fall. But here you go. But wait, I'm sorry, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. To me, that's a great definition of what spiritual patience actually is. Man, I am going to be spiritually patient. God, I am going to wait for you to show up. But you know, while I'm waiting, man, I am chasing after you like I haven't chased for anything before. I am all in. I am surrendering everything I have to your ways, your promises, your truths. I'm going to chase after you. When I pray, when I build a relationship with you, and you tell me to do something, I'm going to do it the way you asked me to carry it out. And then I'm going to watch what's going on. I'm going to watch what's happening. And we need to be patient now, in all the things that God sends our way. If you look at that scripture back in James 5 when he talks about the farmer, the farmer isn't just some random farmhand. It's the guy who's invested his entire life, everything he had into it. And what does a farmer do? A farmer plants, sows the seed, fertilizes it, works the soil, cultivates the ground, pulls the weeds, 
The farmer does all that work, right? And then what happens? What happens when the farmer does all that? Nothing. Nothing. Nothing happens for a long, long time. In the natural. Right? That scripture is a great example of what happens in our spiritual lives. We, we pray, we fast, we worship, we build this relationship, we come to church, we help other people, we do all this stuff, we're walking out this word, and sometimes we see nothing happen. But God is always working behind the scenes. Sometimes you see a Christian and, and great things are happening, and you say, man, that man or one boy, he was a... He or she was an overnight success. There's no such thing. You know the relationship that that man or woman has with Jesus Christ, their father? The fruit of our lives, the way we walk out, the walk out our lives is a direct relationship, direct relationship of our relationship with our father. Our spiritual father. And what's interesting about that passage is it's telling us not to be patient in continuity, but to be patient now. Now. In every situation. Pastor Guy, you can come up. And why do I say all this? I say all this because many times it, it's our human brain and our human personality to think just what I've been saying, that nothing is happening. But I hope you take at least this out of the message today, is that this is a message of hope. If you are in, one of those spiritual dry times, and we all are in one season of our life or another. You either have been in a dry season, you're in a dry season, or you're going to be in a dry season soon. No one is immune to the dry seasons. But what are we going to get out of those dry seasons? Spiritual patience is actually a message of hope that when we understand spiritual patience, we understand that, man, I may be going through something. But as we read today, I need to count it all joy that that trial is coming my way. Because it may be a trial, but God is using it for good. He can do, do no other thing. That's who he is. He is the good, good, great Father. Everything He does comes out of who He is. And He can't do anything of who He isn't. He can only do things of who He is. And He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, all-powerful one. So as we leave this morning, 
Let's stand and worship the King of Kings. And let's worship ourselves out of here knowing and understanding and be able to discern that when we go through trials, it requires a spiritual patience and a spiritual joy and a spiritual hope knowing that God is not only teaching me something in this moment, but he's using this moment if I understand it and I allow him for good in my future. Because that's who he is, a loving, all-knowing, all-purposeful God. Amen?